This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hey there, families. Welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am so happy that you are here. I'm your host, Wendy Snyder, positive parenting educator and family life coach. And today on the show, we have a really cool guest for you guys. Her name is Rosalia Rivera. She's a sexual abuse prevention specialist, and she is incredible, you guys. She is the founder of Consent Parenting, and holy smokes, she is speaking so much truth and wisdom to us today around how to um, really prevent any type of sexual abuse in our children's lives. So I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. I wanted to air her interview this month because it is both sexual Violence Awareness Month and Child Abuse Prevention Month. So again, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. I don't know if I said that right. And also Child Abuse Prevention Month. And so the tone of this conversation is very prevention-based. And whether you have sexual abuse in your background, in your history or not, this is a very important conversation that I really want us all to empower ourselves with. So Rosalia actually specializes in helping adult child sex abuse survivors that are now parents. She teaches them how to confidently keep their kids safer with abuse prevention tools. Um, But again, even if you don't have sexual abuse in your history, you will benefit tremendously from hearing Rosalia's incredible wisdom. Okay, so make sure you listen to this episode from start to finish. Thank you for caring so deeply about your families. Thank you for caring so deep deeply about your children. The way you are choosing to raise your kids matters. The way you are choosing to communicate with them, the way you are um, making trust and respect uh, very important in your home matters. The way you are disciplining matters. um, All of it, the relationship you have with your children matters. And I'm just so grateful that you are here and that you are listening. So thanks again, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode. Rosalia is amazing. Make sure you go find her on Instagram. Make sure you support her work and um, and enjoy. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. Terry and I are so excited and honored and humbled to be sitting here with Rosalia Rivera from Consent Parenting. Welcome, Rosalia. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes. Um, we are going to be talking today about three must-know sexual abuse prevention strategies to keep your kids safe, you guys. Rosalia is going to be talking to us about the importance of explaining the concept of tricky people to kids without it being scary, which is, I can't wait to talk to you about this one. I can't wait to talk to you about all of them, but especially that one. Um, number two, she's going to talk to us about why parents need to teach exit strategies. And three, what to do if your child were to ever disclose abuse um, of any type. Super important stuff. Oh, it's so important, Rosalia. And I'm going to um, just read a little bit more about you for a second um, to our listeners so they can learn more about your wonderful work. And then I'll kind of pass the mic over to you so you can tell us a little bit more about um, your passion and your business and, and what you're doing on a daily basis to help families. Um, but this really is such an important topic. I want listeners to understand right now that you know us at here at Fresh Start Family. We, um, we don't come from a fear-based mentality. We come from an empowerment and um, and just seeking the light and being um, 
it, you know, I know that that's what you bring to the table, Rosalia. So, um, parents, as you're listening, this is not one of those episodes that you're like, oh gosh, that will, that'll scare me too much to listen to it. No, this is beautiful. This is a, a beautiful, empowering conversation that will help you build the family of your dreams and help you keep your kids safe. So we're just going to have such a good talk and um, I'm really excited for it. So um, Rosalia Rivera is a passionate consent educator, abuse prevention specialist, sex, sexual literacy advocate, speaker, change agent, and survivor turned thriver. Oh, I love those words. She is the host of About Consent, a podcast for survivors and those who support survivors. Rosalia is also the founder of Consent Parenting, an online platform with courses, workshops, and a membership for adults. CSI survivor parents to learn how to protect their families from abuse. She's also a Latinx mother of three young children and lives in Northern Ontario with her hubby. Um, and then also, which is, I love this because I love Dr. Shafali. Um, Rosalia is certified in conscious parenting mastery with Dr. Shafali, as well as the Canadian Center for Child Protection, Commit to Kids, Child Sexual Abuse Prevention Training Program, and the Stewards of Children Training by Darkness to Light. Wow, that is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for that intro. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I love how you framed this to start with the fact that it's an empowering conversation that we're going to have because um, it's one of the reasons why I decided to start doing this um, because when I started teaching my own kids, a lot of the um, content that I was finding was of course important, but it was framed in a really sort of scary you know, way. And even like a lot of the accounts that I found um, were just all like fear, 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 fear. And as a survivor myself, Um, that was really triggering. And I realized that there wasn't anyone speaking to the survivor experience um, as well, and how difficult it is, you know, for a lot of parents um, who are survivors. But in general, I think all parents can get triggered by this, right? So um, my goal was to really create content that uh, was empowering because that's where I came from. You know, that's the the position that I wanted to help other survivors um, and parents in general, you know, to approach this information so that they can really feel like they're um, giving their kids tools and resources that talk about rights, that talk about empowerment um, and talk about exit strategies, which is something that I didn't see a lot. And so a lot of my focus is also on that. So, yeah, so I'm I'm so stoked for this conversation. Oh, so good. Well, and I love the actual, you know, specific strategies we're going to talk about. And then I, I'd say in general, I just, I love what you teach because, um, you know, especially I, I think I see so many parallels in whether you call it positive parenting or respectful parenting and consent parenting, right? Or I know with Dr. Shafali, you are conscious parenting, right? There's all these different mm-hmm. words that we all have depending on the program that we chose to get our certification in. Um, but it all has the same underlying current of, um, of respect, of true respect with our children and teaching our children autonomy, teaching them that they are in charge of their own bodies, that um, there will not be anything that goes on in in our house that is where they are forced to do something right and I know there's there's so many similarities in all of the programs um, out there about this and that's really important to bring to the table that just by practicing positive parenting respectful parenting gentle parenting conscious parenting um, it's a wonderful way to build up our children to understand that we truly respect them there is there is all that stuff going on mm-hmm, exactly yeah and and it's it's interesting um, because when I look at all of the different um, sort of parenting approaches, what they all have in common is this foundation of respecting autonomy and respecting um, consent, right? And so that was why um, I don't say that, you know, I didn't want to call it abuse prevention parenting because at the heart of abuse prevention is respecting a child's rights, um, respecting their autonomy in all aspects, not just physical, Um, But then there is, of course, also the component of abuse prevention, which is so important to talk about. And I know a lot of parents want to kind of skirt around it. They're afraid of how to approach it or, you know, what they can do to um, make it less scary for their kids. Right. So 
when I taught, you know, when I uh, created the framework that I use to teach about abuse prevention, it really starts with consent and it starts with shifting a perspective that parents may have about autonomy, you know, that they were raised in authoritarian homes or, you know, sort of a dictatorship. I know I was, that was the, the culture that I grew up in was you do what your parents say, no matter what, you know, and yeah. they're the boss and that's it. Like there's no exception. Um, so this was really at the heart of what um, I wanted to create was a movement towards consent culture. And that's at the foundation, I think, of all really healthy ways of parenting, you know, so that's where it stems from. And that's that's the foundation of everything that I teach. I love it. And and it's like it's relationship, too. Right. I mean, um, that feels like it's at the basis of so much. Right. Of like the prevention and and uncovering things if they do happen is like the actual relationship, which comes along with the parenting, um, Mm -hmm. that we practice. Right. Um, yeah, I love that. So I know this, it's so fast. I was so excited to record this morning because speaking about the fear stuff, there's, you know, this year is a crazy year. Obviously we're stuck in the middle of Corona still COVID, whatever you want. I feel like COVID has become the new term instead of Corona. Well, yeah, I don't want a tangent, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, um, but COVID and then racial tensions and then um, now there's the election and then there's, you know, the schools. Are they opening? Are they not? Distance learning. There's masks. There's conspiracy theories. There's all these things that it has just gotten so heavy lately. And the last few days, it really came to a bubble for me, like where I was just it was so in my face in social media, especially like there was just a lot of fear based stuff being shared. Um, and it it flared me up pretty hard. And it was it was particularly about like sex trafficking. And there's a lot out there about like everything and anything you can imagine conspiracy theories. And I realized I was like, Terry, why am I so flared up about this? Like, what is happening? And I realized just this morning, actually, as I was coming to the table, it's because it's so fear based that I think it. It, it freezes people and then they're mm-hmm. not empowered and they feel very like it seems like and I'm, I'm going to probably get this wrong because this is not my specialty, but this is what it feels like to me as just a life coach and a positive parenting educators. It feels like it's very victimizing and it's like it's it's just so odd, but I see it so much out there right now and mm-hmm. it's not empowering parents or it's not empowering families it's just making them freak the hell out because it feels like there's such this strong force against them of evil and like the world is imploding and they're just like oh my gosh what do i do and so yeah. i i love that this morning we are spending the next 40 minutes or so um saying yes there can be times when it feels like you're you know you're going to feel scared it's just part of being a human being especially during these times and find some great mentors and resources that are going to come to the table each week and say okay cool let's sit down and learn let's sit down and fill up our toolkit let's sit down and actually discuss the hard things so we empower our children to feel confident with these conversations let's actually build the relationship instead of just using the fear and force model with our kids to get the instant obedience and instead um actually build family legacies that we're proud of and memories um that Mm -hmm. that are that are fantastic so cool yeah I am. I'm all. I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah. Okay. Have well, you been feeling that too? Well, what a great. I mean, you oh. kind of had this epiphany this morning before this. You were like, you know, especially with the guests that we've been pulling together and the people that we're drawn to, like yourself, is is that other way that fear and force that's being pushed on us. It's like it's like it's almost like it hasn't. It's not our language. It right. doesn't motivate yeah. us. It doesn't. Um, it, it's like so. It just feels yucky, and then so then we're drawn to. Is there is there something else out there? Is there some other glimmer of light or somebody that actually is giving you something that you can actually apply to your life um, besides just holding up or walling in or handing your power to somebody else to take care of you? Um, and so that's yeah. why we're drawn to people like you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I I'm very 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 action and solution oriented. Um, I don't like to dwell on the problem forever because like you said, it really just makes people freeze up. And for a very long time, this topic of child sexual abuse is, you know, people don't even want to say the words, like they're afraid of speaking it because somehow it's going to, it's like the boogeyman that's going to come to life. Right. So 
unfortunately there's been a lot of avoidance and i think that because of that there's this huge push to like create awareness but with the fact that everybody's nervous systems are already so triggered this is not helping and it's not really um you know from everything that i've looked into and researched and and you know following what's going on with all the conspiracy theory news and stuff i don't see anyone pointing to what we can do or what actions you know i always say like if you really feel called to do something about that then you know support volunteer donate right. to organizations that are doing something about the issue so yeah. if anyone is you know interested in figuring out what to do about that that's you know something you can do but in your own home the way that you can really be empowered is by starting to take um you know tangible actions that are going to empower your kids and that's you know where i'm that's where i live and that's where i sit so a lot of people are like how come you're not making you know talking more about this human trafficking stuff it's like i already know about that i think a right. lot of people already know about it i'm not going to you know just keep hammering like look at this horrible news look at this horrible yeah. news because people are just like well what do i do and so for me it's like i've been speaking about prevention and i think that that's really the most empowering place that we can come from so Beautiful. yeah let's dive into that I love awesome. it. I love it. Okay, Rosalia, can you um, set the stage here for, I, I love, um, so your specialty is you work with survivors um, that are now parents. Such a right. beautiful specialty, like, boom. And talk to, um, you know, so obviously it's like, I, I would love to just start out by kind of like normalizing the fact that this is a definitely a big common problem, right? I think there might be some listeners right now who are like, I've never talked to anybody about this. What happened when I was seven or 12, whether it was the cousin or the uncle or my grandfather, right? <clears throat> and I know just from, again, this is not our specialty, but just being in a lot, a lot of personal development, life coaching courses and becoming friends with so many people over the years, it feels like, I don't know if you have any statistics, but it feels like it's almost like a third, a third of the population has had yeah. sexual abuse. Is there something we can just lay like lay it out to just kind of normalize this and let listeners know like, hey, if this is in your past, um, you're you are normal. Like you don't need to shame, hide the shame anymore. And let's you know and um, and then also for the listeners who haven't had it in the past. So Terry and I have not had this in our past. And we're just really passionate about having it never start in our family, right? So we're mm -hmm. speaking to two different people today. But could you set the stage with us and help us with that before we yeah. get on our points? For sure. Yeah, so the current statistics, which um, frankly, I don't think are very accurate because this is only based on reports, right? So kids or adults that have actually reported and disclosed. Um, but the you know statistics are that one in four girls and one in six boys. I think that the statistics for boys are actually higher, but they are prone to report a lot less. So it actually yeah. may be at par with girls. Um, but yeah, though, that is the number of um, wow. children that are abused. And uh, like I said, I think it's higher, you know, than yeah. that. But what I think a lot of, you know, and, and to kind of the first point that we're probably going to dive into right now is that a lot of parents, um, unfortunately, still have this misconception that this kind of abuse happens at the hand of strangers, right. um, which is not the case. And so I think because of the fact that 90% of abuse actually does happen by people that the family and the child knows, loves and trusts, or at least likes and trusts, um, there is a lot of shame around the fact that, you know, maybe uh, a child was abused by a family member and so the family doesn't want to be open about it or the child doesn't want to be open about it because it brings shame to the family and unfortunately that antiquated way of thinking is what prevents uh, a lot of survivors from being able to seek the help and the support um you know to gain justice and to get the healing that they need you know to to really move forward in life um, I, my mother is a survivor. My sister is a survivor. Her, her trauma was a lot more complex than mine and mm -hmm. witnessing her struggles and challenges throughout life. And, you know, with her kids was part of what motivated me to, um, you know, to do this. And so I, one of like for my podcast, for example, 
one of my goals with that is to dismantle shame, is to really help survivors take back and reclaim that power um, that they feel may have been taken away. And to also just normalize the conversation for those parents um, to know that there's nothing wrong with them, that you know their, their triggers and their fears are normal, but that they do have hope to heal um, and that they can empower their, their children and break cycles. And for those parents who are not survivors, to know and understand how common this problem is and that it can happen to anyone. It isn't just because someone lives in a certain neighborhood or right. looks a certain way. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we have all these misconceptions. So um, I really want to dismantle myths as well to help people realize how, um, you know, close to home this can happen, you know, so and to really empower children so that they, um, are not going to be victimized and, and if they are that they know what to do so that it doesn't escalate and continue beautiful i love it wonderful okay so kick us off with point number one which is how do we explain the concept of tricky people i love those words um to kids without it being scary without being fear-based mm -hmm. Yeah, so this kind of goes back to that point of a lot of people think it's just strangers, you know, that are going to, this is going to happen. But because of the way that predators um, try to access kids, it usually happens through a process called grooming. And grooming is really when a predator will try to ingratiate themselves with that family, with that child, and build trust. So when we think about how a predator would... Um, break down those boundaries of a child, right? Uh, what happens with the child is that they are very confused by the fact that someone that they care so much about has now betrayed their trust, has broken a boundary, has hurt them, right? Um, and so for a lot of kids, they can't reconcile that. It takes a long time. And through that process, they may uh, that that abuse may escalate and continue, right? So if children don't understand the concept of tricky people, and that they and then not have exit strategies to follow up with that, then they may be um, at a much higher chance of being victimized, uh, you know, excessively. So, I mean, not that yeah. once once would certainly be enough. Right. Obviously. Right. But, but to, for it to continue could make the trauma much worse. So for parents to explain this without it being scary, we want to educate them on the concept of being critical thinkers. And critical thinking starts with questioning, right? So we want to make sure that we're always um, uh, encouraging our children to question and to um, wonder, you know, to, to question, not motivations and to be skeptical in a sense where they're like paranoid about the world, obviously, um, but just to look at the fact that those are possibilities in the world. And so we need to be, um, you know, always questioning and going back to parents to confirm uh, you know, insight, right? To, to get insight on, is this, does this make sense about this person or not? Um, so how do we do that, right? How do we make it simple enough for a, a four-year-old to understand? Um, so we can use a lot of things uh, like books, stories, media, you know, movies um, that they're already watching that have these storylines already built in. And so it's really easy for kids to make those connections. So, for example, uh, for a young child, you can use the movie Frozen as an example, because the prince in the beginning seems yes. like such a nice guy, but he was a tricky person, right? Like oh, he really yes. didn't, uh, you know, he was pretending to be this good guy, but ended up being a bad guy, right? So it just allows kids to know that that does exist in the world it's not necessarily like it's going to happen to them every day but that is a possibility right so they start to um see that connection maybe for an older child and we actually just uh at breakfast we're reading harry potter we're like book number four just at the end and there's yet another tricky person in that book right so yeah. this was when we were actually um reading that this morning it was like this this character came out as the bad guy who was the good guy throughout the whole book. And so it was like, my son says, that's another tricky person. And I said, exactly. Yes. So it was like, okay, this is a possibility. It's not that it means it's like happening every day to me, but it's a possibility. And so I said, that's why we have to always, you know, get to know someone and make sure that, you know, we're, uh, you know, if something doesn't feel right, that we're listening to our intuition, right? That's all, all of those things are part of uh, that empowerment piece. And one of the things that I teach in my programs is to help kids build that intuition so that they're listening oh. to that inner voice. 
um, so that if they do suspect that there's a tricky person, it's not completely foreign and they can say, okay, my mom has told me about this. I should go seek help about it and confirm if what I'm thinking is correct or not, right? Um, so we want to encourage kids to have critical thinking, to listen to their intuition, and to be aware of the fact that there is a concept of tricky people out there. And it's it's evident in the books that they read, the movies they watch. You know, there's so much. So anytime that you come across that in any of the content that you are you know, that you're, any media that your children are, are looking at or reading, um, you can begin to prompt them about it. And then you'll yeah. see over time that they start to pick up on that instead of it just kind of like being sort of in the background and, oh, this, you know, person was a bad guy. Well, they didn't, you know, present themselves as a bad guy in the beginning, but um, that concept then starts to become part of their toolkit that they use to assess the situation. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning, you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being, air quotes, mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you could end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. Oh, beautiful. It, and it can carry over into so much more like the, the skills, the life skills that you're teaching here when you use this concept can carry over into everything in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Absolutely. so beautiful. Well, um, yeah. And that's so relatable too for them. I love how it's like, it's something you're already doing anyways. You know, I think, you know, parents a lot of times are like, they, they don't want, oh, I got yet another thing to try to do. It's like, you're already reading books and, and watching movies yeah. anyways. The, the plot exactly. is already there. It's yeah. just a matter of like pulling it out and, and talking about it. I love it because it's to your point, it's not scary and it's already happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like I, I'm all about streamlining. So yeah. <laughs> and find yes. ways to like use what we already have. And that's why I always say to parents, like you have so much already at your disposal. You know, it doesn't require, you know, moving mountains to be able to teach this stuff. Yep. And I love that you use the word tricky people instead of predators because mm -hmm. um, it just helps teach our children and remind ourselves as we educate ourselves on this subject that, like you said, it 99 out of 10 times, it's a tricky person, not just a stranger who's going to like grab you and kidnap you. It's mm -hmm. like, it's, and, and, you know, it's like, it is a tricky person that you know that has built the trust like that, that frozen character and, I just think yeah. that's so important for our children to understand. Yeah, and there's one more thing, too, that I, I think it's important for parents to also get across with this concept. 
is that when they are showing, um, you know, that this happened in a book or, a, you know, a storyline of some kind, that they also highlight that the person who was tricked shouldn't have any shame about the fact that they were tricked. Yes. You know, because then they might feel like, oh, I was stupid. I can't believe I fell for that. Right. You want to just like let them know that that person, you know, trusted, you know, and it's okay to trust, but it's also important to question and it's also important to seek help. So, you know, if you can find in those uh, storylines that there was someone that they went to for help, right, to get support, to get an ally, to get on board and help them. Right. So most uh, kid books do have that built in, right? Like Anna, you know, uh, got the support of other people and Harry Potter got the support of, you know, other people. So reminding them that there is no shame in the fact that those characters did get tricked, but to know that, you know, now is the time that they needed to call in those allies for support. Oh my gosh, that is so good. I mean, that right there, it's okay to trust and it's important to question. Yeah. That yeah. is like so, so, so important. So I love it. <laughs> I just feel like it's so meaningful right now because it's such a weird time that everyone's like questioning, like, should I trust? Should I not? And it's like, no, it's good. It's human. It's wonderful. Like that is mm -hmm. how we were designed to trust and not, but, and it's important to question. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So number two, um, what, um, why parents need to teach exit strategies. Talk to us about this. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times if we uh, like, well, let me start with this. So when I talk about abuse prevention and specifically for survivors who are very easily triggered about this content, mm, yeah. their biggest fear is putting their own fears onto their children and not wanting them to be paranoid and all those things, right? Um, so what I decided when I created my framework was to, uh, first of all, start with educating about, you know, a child's autonomy, so their rights, and then talking about boundaries next, and then talking about um, safe and unsafe touch and, and body parts, right? So you want to start talking about body safety, um, helping them develop intuition and listening to that inner voice. Um, helping them to develop courage, right? So there's a lot of pieces that have to happen before you talk about exit strategies. And that's okay. something that's really important because if you just talk about exit strategies, that means that you're talking about putting a child's, uh, you know, thinking into they're going to be in a dangerous situation. Here's how to get out of it. Yeah. But if you start from this place of empowerment, of teaching them about their rights, about the fact that they have a voice, that they can use that voice, that, um, they can vocalize and and ultimately that they, you know, have been given these tools to, um, you know, how to summon up their courage, how to listen to their intuition. Then you can start to talk about exit strategies. So this is, um, you know, in my framework, the last piece that you want to talk about, but it is one of the most important. So you want to build it up to get to that point. Once you do get to that point and you want to talk about exit strategies, because Otherwise, kids will say, well, you know, I did all the right things. I used my voice. They didn't stop. And something happened. What, you know, and, and now this person has threatened me or tricked me or bribed me into not saying anything. And I don't know what to do now. Right. Because right. I was told that I have rights, but this person didn't respect them. So it's really important that kids understand the different options that they have to be able to get out of a situation, maybe to avoid the situation altogether. So an exit strategy is listening to your intuition so that you can maybe avoid a situation or using the tools that you've been given, um, you know, to develop courage and speak up, right? If they are in a situation, but then beyond that, if they use their intuition and they use their voice and neither of those things worked, now what do you do if something did happen, right? So it's really important for kids to know what steps that they can take. Um, and, and even beyond, even before that, um, I'll, I'll back up a little bit, but let's say that they're at a sleepover, right? And mm -hmm. something happens or, or they're in a situation where they feel unsafe and something may happen, but it hasn't happened yet. What can they do to get out of that situation, right? So if they can, um, you know, if they're an older child and have a, a device, um, you know, can they, uh, use that to contact their parents with a password or a safety word. Um, I talk about for older kids using something like the X plan. I don't know if you've heard of that before from no. Bert Fultz. So the X plan 
um, is essentially when a child can just text their parent with the letter X mm. because, you know, that maybe they're not able to do, you know, to type more or that's all that they know. You know, maybe it's a young child and you've given them a phone and like you just tell them you type X if you're in an unsafe situation and I will come get you no matter what. Yeah. Um, so all they have to do is type X. And then when the parent receives that, they essentially are going to call the child back either on a landline to the house that they're at or back on the phone and say um, and let the child know, um, I need to come pick you up. Something happened. You don't have to explain, you know, what it yeah. is, but something happened. So uh, I'm going to have to pick up my child. I'll be there in, you know, however long it takes you to get there. Nice. And then you pick up the child. No questions asked because whoever's on the other end of that is just going to assume something happened and you needed to pick up your child. And then they are, you know, Beautiful. back to safety. That's great. So that is, you know, another exit strategy. But let's say that for whatever reason that they couldn't do that, something happened. Um, they were told not to say anything. Um, they, they, you know, they're they're fearful of what to do. But you have given them those clear instructions on here is, you know, the fact that number one. Um, nothing that anybody ever, you know, says about me getting mad at you or me not loving you would ever be true. Like those are mm -hmm. part of exit strategies because then it informs the child, regardless of what this person told me, I know that my mom said that, not, you know, she'll always believe me. She'll always help me. Um, you know, no matter what that person says, I have a safe place to go to. Um, but beyond that, <laughs> so there's lots of lots of pieces yeah. to this. But yeah. beyond that, um, something else that is also an important exit strategy is to have a safety network, because if that child maybe was was threatened to such fear that they really believe that they can't go to a parent, they have other people in their safety network that they can reach out to that they might feel could help them figure out how to get out of it. Right. Because maybe, um, you know, if an aunt or a friend, or a teacher, whoever it is that's in that safety network, um, has already made that connection to say, if you know, I'm a safe person for you, and I will always help you, and I will always believe you. Um, they they have more lifelines, right? They have other people that they can reach out to. So it's really important that that you create a safety network. Right now is a really critical time for kids to have safety networks. Um, I actually have a whole like uh, mini course on how to create a really solid one, which includes like not just saying, OK, here's the five adults, because I've seen that, you know, one of the things that I mm -hmm. when I was learning about this, I saw, you know, you should have five people on your safety network, but they don't tell you how to do that and how to do it in a way that is going to actually be effective. Um, that really connects your child to those people that the child has helped to create that safety network with the parent. Um, and so that also the, the person who is part of the safety network knows what to do if the child goes to them, right? So it's yeah. not just like, here's the people because they can botch that and not be as helpful as you had hoped or, um, you know, maybe it's somebody that they know and they didn't want to just, you know, so there's a lot of pieces that you want to make sure are in place to have an effective safety network so that kids have lifelines that are part of those exit strategies that they can reach out to so that those situations don't escalate. Oh, that's so awesome. That's I'm thinking of like older cousins, right? Mm -hmm. Like our, we have um, like 24 year old cousins, Sydney and Matt, that I feel like that would be, cause our kids are so close with them that that would be a good, I have never thought about this, but like having them actually have conversations with our kids to say this, like, Hey, mm -hmm. just so you know, you can always call me if you need anything. And if there's anything you feel like you can't talk to your parents about, but you can talk to me about, um, that's just one, but yeah, that's a good I one. love that idea. Okay. A few things I wanted to share. I have, gosh, Rosalia, you're so incredible and full of wisdom. Um, I love how, when you're talking about the exit strategies, you're like, but this comes last, right? Because it reminds yeah. me of discipline, right? Like parents always want to know, well, just tell me about discipline. Just tell me about discipline. How do I get them to listen? And it's like, well, we're going to talk about all this other stuff first, communication <laughs> and paradigm right. shifting and developing a relationship and mm -hmm. understanding what's underneath misbehavior. 
and prevention. And then we'll talk about discipline, right? So um, I feel you on that. And then um, I love the X plan. And I don't know, maybe you have phones you can recommend, but I always recommend to families the Gab phone, which has Mm -hmm. no internet. It's just text and um, voice. And it's just a wonderful device to put in your children's hands. Um, And that's, and and they could text that. And then do you recommend um, role plays at all? So when you're talking about teaching children exit strategies, um, do you recommend role plays at all? That's something absolutely. We... Okay, cool. yeah, absolutely. And along with that too, as I always say, when you're um, doing these these you know scenarios, to not just give your child the answer, you want them mm. to try to figure out what they would do. You can guide them, of course, and ultimately give them the answer, particularly if they're younger and they you know they're not going to be able to always figure it out on their own. Yeah. But you want them to, um, based on all the things that you've already taught them to determine like, what do you think that you could do? What are some things? Because it will actually help them to remember those a lot more in those situations when they are stressed or panicked or feeling, um, you know, overwhelmed by any situation, um, along with teaching them uh, some self-regulation tools that they can use when they're in those panic moments, because that will help them kick their left brain in to use those logical, you know, pieces that you've already role played with them. Um, So, that's part of it, you know, okay, so if you're, you know, if you're feeling like you're unsafe, what can you do to help you calm down so that you can think about what you're going to do and make sure that, you know, I can come and get you or I can, you know, or there's a way for you to get out of that situation or who else can, you know, is in the home. Like, so there's a lot of pieces and, and it depends yeah. a lot of times when you're going to do, um, you know, a play date or a sleepover, you want to kind of rehearse those a little bit um, without it being fear-based, right? So yeah. um, if there's something, you know, if you're feeling sick, you know, you can add that into the mix of if you're feeling sick or if you're feeling, you know, homesick or if you're, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And also if you're feeling like you're unsafe, you know, so add it in there as part of the norm instead of just being like, if something happens, you know, right. I don't want to scare them. Uh, but just, you know, here's how you can contact and connect with me and make sure that, you know, no matter what it is, you know, you, you, you know that you can reach out. So making uh, that role play part of all of those pieces is important. Awesome. Okay. One, two more little things, and then we're going to move on to point number three. But, um, but so I love the idea of number one, I've heard you talk about, um, well, first I'll say the, the idea of practicing before you go. I love this idea. And we, we teach something in my bonfire membership program called sequencing, where it's like, if you're trying to get your kid to do something, like, it's not like if then, like, if you don't do this, then you can't go to the sleepover. It's like, hey, first, we just need to get this done. And then let's hop in the car and we get to go have fun. Um, and it's a wonderful opportunity to actually get it done, right? Like, mm-hmm. so before you go, um, before we leave, we just need to spend 10 minutes doing this. And we're actually going to like, act, do the whole thing. Like, so you pretend you're in your room. Um, and go ahead and, and text me the X on your gab phone. And then I'll pretend I get it. And then we'll just go through the motions. Because I feel like, um, what I've seen in, with my parents is, you know, my parents that I work with is that it often will take numerous times for the for the kiddo to become comfortable. So mm-hmm. I would add that, right? Would you agree that don't Absolutely. just do it once and think it's done? Kind of like the sex talk. Don't. It's yeah. not just a one and done thing. Like do it all the time. And and if they balk at it, it's like, mom, I don't want to do this, or be like, I know, and we just got to get it done. I know, yeah. I know. It's not the funnest thing. Like it's not. The, but the sleepover is going to be fun. This is less fun, and. We need to get it done. So it's going to, you know, we can do it fast like a cheetah and take six minutes or we can do it slow like a turtle and it'll take 20 up to you. Right. right, (laughs) Um, And then one other thing that I love that I've heard you talk about a lot is the idea of the body. The whole body is a private, not a private part, but what do you say? The whole body is the whole body is private. The whole body is private, right? And then, well, what I say specifically, because I, because this is really at the heart of, uh, you know, teaching about autonomy, is I say the whole body is your private property because it's yours, right? And so when we talk about the concept, you know, I hear a lot of parents always like, your body belongs to you, and da 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 da, and then like, make sure you eat all your vegetables that are on your plate. (laughs) You're just completely contradicting what you just said, because now I'm telling you what to do with your body, right? Or go get, you know, go brush your teeth right now. And that, you know, contradicts. So when we talk about private parts, and we were just having this conversation the other day with the kids, um, because, you know, the mouth can be a private part, but we don't cover it. 
Right. And ultimately what happens with um, predators is that they will try to slowly erode different body boundaries. So maybe it's rubbing on the shoulder. And because the child wasn't told that that's, you know, a private part, they are okay with it, even though that makes them feel uncomfortable. And they're like, well, it's not a private part. I guess it's okay. So we want to really be consistent with that. And to me, personally, I, I, I educate on your whole body is, is private and you can say no to any touch. So that is really, I think, foundational to and inconsistent with the concept of autonomy. Yes. And just, yeah, two things that I learned from that this week from just, I love following you on social is, um, like I always kiss my little boy in the mouth and I'm like, Oh my gosh, he still kisses me on the mouth. He's nine. And I learned this week, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to let it go. It's going to be sad for me because I love him. And he's, he's my easygoing one that like, is just like goes with the flows and like kind of rolls his eyes. He's like, okay, mama. And now I realize like, it's not okay. I'm going to end that. And I'm going to teach him like, Hey buddy, like that was such a beautiful time in our life. And now, um, I want you to, I'm going to teach him about this concept that your, your mouth is uh, a private part and I respect that. I'm going to kiss you on the cheek now. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is the shoulder rubbing to me is such a huge informational point because I can see how that would be used as grooming. So back scratching, shoulder rubbing, um, stroking of your hair, all these things that I can see a child being uncomfortable with it, but not knowing what to speak, how to speak up about it because it hasn't been taught that that's a private part. So I think that to me is like, whoa, that's a big deal to teach our children that this. And then the intuition part and trusting yourself and just, oh my gosh, Yeah. And I want to just uh, say one quick thing about that, too, because I think a lot of parents, when they hear that, they go, oh, well, like, I can't be affectionate with my child. I can't touch my child. Like, you know, I I don't think that that's healthy. And um, that's not what I'm saying at all. I think that it's really important that we have those physical bonding experiences with our children. Our children need them. It's a very healthy part of affection that, you know, helps create those stronger bonds. However, when a child doesn't want that, then we always have to respect it. And that's all that we're saying, right? Because we want to teach them that they do, if they don't want to, you know, get a back rub or they don't want a hug in that moment, even if it's from a parent, we have to respect that. And we need to instill that concept as early as possible. It doesn't mean that you can't hug your child. And in fact, when we're teaching about um, communication, about consent, we, you know, we talk about the fact that it is also a physical communication, right? So learning body language. If I am opening my arms for an embrace and you want that embrace, then you're welcome to it. If you want a hug and you're opening your arms, then I'm going to give you a hug, right? But if you are saying no thanks, I'm completely respecting it, right? So it's really just about that. It's not about, uh, you know, cutting off affection. Um, In fact, uh, children who are what's called um, touch starved, are actually at a higher risk of abuse Mm. because they're looking for that. So it's not at all about, you know, like not being affectionate with your children. It's just about making sure you're respecting the boundaries that they set. Yes. Well, that, that I was going to say, because he offered me up a kiss on the lips the other day. So I'm going to, I'm going to take it. But I like, I'm a little, I feel like it happens all the time where I'm like, come on, come on, come on, give me a hug. Come on. That's not a real hug. Give it the blah, blah. And I'm just reanalyzing everything now and coming at it from a different approach of being very respectful because Mm -hmm. of your wisdom. So yeah. yeah. And it's just so good to critically think about that. And I love it. So families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just 
something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or our consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Awesome. Okay. So Terry. So point number three is what to do if your child discloses abuse. Mm-hmm. This is so important right now. Um, and, and I'm going to preface it with this. There have been alarming rates of abuse increase like reports that have increased since the beginning of the pandemic unfortunately because kids are home with potential abusers or with abusers um and unfortunately because of that we need to be really aware and cognizant of the fact that um children who have experienced abuse um will a lot of times reenact that with other kids so the reason why i'm prefacing that is because there are higher chances, unfortunately, now that if kids are going back to school or going back to daycares, um, that this is a possibility of peer-to-peer abuse. And so it's really important that we know how to respond to that, right? So whether it is, um, you know, an adult or not, you know, there is a higher chance of this. And this is why it's so important to be educating about abuse prevention right now, but um, also about what to do if a child comes to you. So um, there are specific things that will help not re-traumatize a child, right? Because um, like I said before, if you have someone who has developed a relationship with the child, they maybe it's a friend or, a, you know, or a, an educator or a coach or whoever it is, a daycare provider, um, and they've built a relationship with the child and this, this trust has been broken, uh, you know, a boundary has been ruptured. That is really confusing for a child, right? And so they may only disclose a fraction of what happened just to see what the reaction of the parent is before they actually disclose what really happened. So based on how we respond, will determine what their next steps are, right? So we have to be really cautious of um, not putting more fear on them, um, that our response isn't like explosive anger towards that person. Because we have to remember that if the child, like, let's say it was, um, you know, a a cousin, and they have a really good relationship with that cousin. um, But you know, this happened, right? They may be afraid of getting that person in trouble, even though what they really want is that situation to stop. They love that person. And they're in real conflict about it. Because if they tell, they may be afraid of the consequence to that person. All they really want is for that situation to end. Yeah. They don't really want that person to go to jail. They don't really want that person to be like banished forever. They just want that situation to stop. Yeah. So unfortunately, if a parent, you know, if if that, you know, the child says like, you know, that so-and-so like kind of did something, but like, I don't really know what to do about it. And they don't really disclose the whole thing. And then you're like, what? You know, you kind of freak out and overreact. They may go, I'm not going to say anything else, you know, and hopefully, and they, they may try to figure out how to stop the situation themselves, which, you know, a lot of times doesn't, you know, doesn't happen. So 
We want to make sure that one, we are responding very calmly. So if they come to you and you, you know, particularly if you're a survivor and you get triggered, breathe, like do, you know, some self-regulation strategies that you, you know, you kind of practice ahead of time um, so that you can very calmly respond. Uh, Remember that you don't want to re-traumatize them. So number one is to let them know that you are so thankful that they've come to you, that they did the right thing, that they were very brave and courageous Mm -hmm. for doing it, because it really does take a child a lot of courage to to come forward. Um, And let them know that you are going to protect them and make sure that this no longer happens. Don't talk about what's going to happen to that person, okay? Because that's Um, you know, something that you're going to deal with on your own with your partner or whoever it is that you're going to get support to deal with it, right? But the other piece too that's really important is to let the child know that you're going to include them in the process, right? Mm -hmm. Because they want to know what's going on and not, you know, sort of shutting them out of that is going to cause a lot of anxiety for them. So we want to make sure that they know that they are going to be part of the conversation and part of the process of what happens next. So let them know you're going to keep them safe, that you're going to figure out what the next steps are that you need to do to make sure that 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 they can stay safe um, and and remind them, thank them for the fact that, you know, they came to you. Let them know that you're going to get support so that you can help them process what happens um, so that they can, you know, get back to feeling good again. Right. Because they're probably in a very anxious state, you know, overwhelmed, stress and all those things. So obviously you want to get them the support that they need, whether that's counseling or, you know, therapist, depending on their age, like, you know, what, there's lots of different resources. Um, And then if, and I also recommend if you are a survivor parent to get your own mental health support for that, because it's going to be really challenging and you don't want to do that on your own. Um, Then the next steps are to, you know, of course, like get, uh, get information from your local child services organizations and uh you know they will guide you to those next steps and i always say go to them first because if you just go to law enforcement that you know they're not going to be able to help you take the right steps that are less traumatizing for everyone involved um and child services will help with that process too so that they will get you to the right people you know to make the reports that you need to make etc you know so Um, You know, just stay, stay as calm as you can in that moment. It may be very shocking and you may want to like lash out and like, I'm going to get that person or we're going to put them in jail or, you know, that can really freak a child out. So just be really cautious of how you proceed from, from that point. Oh, I love it. And we're going to make sure we put um, Rosalia's exact words in the show notes pages. Um, and I would even recommend for all of us to try to memorize some of those things you said, just three little things, right? Like, thank you. You are brave. I will protect you. Like just mm-hmm. in case you're so triggered and you're like freaking out, there's fire coming out of your head because I know that the parents I work with, it's easier said than done to remain yeah. calm. Right. And the next thing they know, they're freaking out and they're like, but I couldn't, right? It's like, if you just have three things memorized, just in case, and this goes for anything when your child comes and tells you, right? Like, I know Stella was babysitting um, some uh, um, kid, um, friends, kids, and she came home and the little two-year-old was like, getting spanked because of some reason that I was like, why would that be happening? And I kind of freaked out a little bit. And Stella was like, mom, I'm not going to tell you anything anymore. If you freak out like that, I was like, okay, you're right. Deep breath. Let me try that again. Thank you for telling me. I wonder what was going on. I wonder how we can support them, you know, Um, but it's so evident in everything that our kids come to tell us if, Mm -hmm. and this one, especially, right. Yeah. Um, And then I I was going to, Sorry to cut you off, but I also wanted to say that this is one of the pieces in that safety network that I was talking about with the people that are going to be on the safety network that children know that they can go to is that they also know how to respond in the same way. Because if they don't and then they freak out and then the child's like, oh, my, you know, and then when it's time also for a, let's say, a report to law enforcement to be made, the child may choose to not give as much information and that could create, you know, a, a problematic situation. So um, that's another reason also to make sure that you are remaining calm so that they feel comfortable to, to share more. And especially when it comes to reporting. 
Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. Last question for you. And then we're going to wrap it up. It's been such a good talk. Um, and this is a big question, but, um, so a while back, um, I, and my question, this is my question is, um, so of course there's the times when your child does come to you, right? Which is just means like, oh my gosh, like so inspirational that there's the relationship there. There's the trust. There's the, like you said, the bravery and the courage in the child just to even expose a little detail, right? It's so fantastic, like so good. Um, and then there's the times um, where they it might just come out in misbehavior. So about a year ago, we had one of our bonfire members. Um, she heard their little kids were getting abused by the neighbor, and they didn't know for um, a good solid eight months. And it was just coming across in misbehavior, and they were working so hard to figure out what was underneath this misbehavior. But lots of you know revenge misbehavior, hurtful acts, aggression, uncontrollable anger, all these things that um, afterwards you know. After their their kids told them, we were celeb- We were just like so grateful that they had been working so hard to instead of like just stop the misbehavior that they instead were digging deep, looking for the root causes, seeking to understand, developing the relationship, working on the trust that then created finally the safety for their their kids to tell them so they could all get the help that they needed. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But is that common that, you know, I just I want to make sure parents are understanding that um, that could, you know, if. Like anytime a kiddo has, is this accurate, Rosalia? Anytime a kid has more anger, aggression, hurtful acts, and then what, what I'm, the story I'm telling actually turned into peer on peer sexual abuse and, and physical abuse and verbal abuse, which to mm-hmm. me being not a specialist, I, I knew in my heart that there was abuse going on in the home that then got handed down to the kids and that got handed down to the neighbor. Right. Um, but is there signals like that, that we should just be aware of too, so we can sit down and really make sure we're building up the relationship to make sure that our kids feel safe. And then of course, all the parenting stuff we teach as far as the safety and the respect and all that stuff that builds into it. But mm-hmm. what would you say about that before we, we end? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a big one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How do you answer that one in two minutes? <laughs> yeah. Well, so there are definitely signs that um, you could look at that, you know, could point to that as being, uh, you know, what is happening. And a lot of times it is a drastic change in behavior okay. that, could be it. So I would definitely look deeper at that. And one of the things that I always recommend to parents um, as part of an overall abuse prevention strategy is to remind your child that no matter what they do, they cannot be a bad person. Because a lot of times a predator will put that on a child and say, your your parents not going to love you anymore. They're going to be mad at you. They're, you know, like all kinds of threats and and obviously lies. But reinforcing to a child that no matter, you know, even if they are misbehaving, even if they are like, you know, causing all kinds of, you know, stuff happening in the home and, but you're noticing that, you know, this, this wasn't them, this isn't like their normal. Right. And uh, something's going on reinforcing with copious amounts of love can actually really um, help them feel safer. Right. So making sure that you're even before any of that, you know, happens, um, for even a very young child, if, you know, and I always say one of the things that really frustrates me um, is when people use, you know, Christmas, for example, like, are you on the naughty list or yeah. are you on the good list? Right. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. children will internalize that as I am bad, not I did something wrong or I made a mistake or, I, you know, yeah. they will internalize that. Right. And so if we don't make a concerted effort to correct that kind of language and that kind of concept in kids, um, that they see elsewhere, even if it's not happening in your home, but they see it or hear it elsewhere, um, they can internalize that, uh, you know, this makes me a bad person because, you know, especially if you're not a very sex positive home yeah. um, and sexuality is, you know, how this abuse is being framed as like, now you're a bad person because of this, yeah. um, they will feel like they can't go to a parent because that parent's going to love them less or, you know, and then they end up lashing out in different ways. So reinforcing mm, yeah. that concept of you are never bad. Like there's nothing you could ever do that would make you bad or make you less lovable or make you less worthy. Right. And always um, making that part of your conversation in your parenting in general, right. Is yeah. really key to helping with that. I love that. Yep. And then, you know, I just, the whole thing of like the conversation around unconditional love, even when you make mistakes and there's not going to be 
fear, force, pain, we're not going to hurt you. It's like, you just made a mistake, you know, and you can make a different choice tomorrow. You are 100% good 100% of the time. That's like the underlying basis that I think is so good. And that's also really key right now too, when it comes to online stuff, because a lot of kids will have this fear, like, my mom told me not to talk to strangers. I accidentally did. I yeah. accidentally sent something I shouldn't have. Now, you know, they're, they're going to be super mad. And, you know, so reminding them of that, even when it comes to that online space conversation is also really key. Yes. And having consistent times where you work with your child, where when they made a mistake, like I said, instead of getting hurt or you having this awful ex- uh, discipline situation, you just worked out the problem. You creatively yeah. problem solved, you taught important life skills, you had a connection and then you moved forward, right? Like that, yeah. I can see how that lines up in consistency to creating this safe environment. So yeah. I literally could talk to you all day, mm-hmm. Rosalia. You are so <laughs> incredible. And um, listeners, thank you for making it to the end of this podcast. We always shoot for 45 minutes and I knew when we got on, I was oh, like, oh, this is going to be an hour, but oh, my, you are <laughs> such a blessing to the world. You are a light Thank you, Thank you for your courage and bravery to do this work and um, to shed this light in the world and the, your wisdom and the education. Tell listeners where they can find you. You have so many amazing resources out there for parents, but um, and, and everything will be in the show notes page, of course, listeners, but where can we find you, Rosalia? Yeah, so, well, I'm at consentparenting.com. It's my website and uh, lots of free resources there. My my videos, um, I go on Facebook once a week to go live, but I know not everyone's on Facebook. So I, I do move those videos over onto my blog as well. So you can find lots of stuff there. Um, and I'm also very active on Instagram. It's one of my, you know, favorite places to hang out. So um, all of that is also consent parenting, Facebook and Instagram. And then also my um, podcast, which is about consent.com and on Instagram about consent podcast. Nice. Yes. My favorite place to find you is on Instagram every Monday. I love those Q and A's. You got to teach me how to go live with slides. Are you yeah, teach me I that just later? started doing that. <laughs> okay, fun. when we disconnect, you have to teach me. <laughs> okay, well, um, thank you, Rosalia. God bless. And um, we're so grateful for your time. Thank, oh, you. thank you for having me. For links and more info about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 78. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kid's worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.